Um, the biggest thing immediately that comes to my head is the relatability to your coach. So some people, the, the coach's job is not only to coach you to be a better pole vaulter, but his job is to connect with you in a way to where you feel comfortable and secure. So if he's able to do that, fantastic. That's how you're going to build a great coach athlete relationship. And there's going to be that, that connection that you guys are going to have. There's going to be that trust. We are here for episode six of the One More Jump podcast. Um, we've got a special guest for you. I guess we say every guest is special nowadays, but um, we've got Chris Nilsson from University of South Dakota. He is a uh, currently a senior just finishing up um, school at, at University of South Dakota. He is a six-time NCAA All-American. He is a three-time NCAA champion. He is a 2018 Texas Relays champ, a NCAA indoor national record holder with a jump of 593 in metric, which comes out to 19.5 and a half, I believe. And Chris has an all-time personal best of 595 in the pole vault, which is I'm going to guess about 19.6 and some change. Let's give it up, Jake, for Chris Nilsson. Hey, baby. That's what I'm talking about, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you are outstanding. You, The first time I saw you, if nobody has ever seen this man, uh, he is a monster. Yes. He, The first time I saw him, I think I was – I was at one U.S. championships, and I was like, is that Derek Miles' new guy? <laughs> I was like, holy cow, he's freaking huge. He, he's bigger, like, bigger than Derek Miles, which is tough. His shoulders don't even fit on the screen over here, man. What the <laughs> heck? I mean, no joke, man. How, how big are you? Uh, first off, thanks for having me. But um, 6'5", 205 pounds, around there. Gosh, dang, Goodness. man. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, <laughs> first time I saw you, I was like, dude, he, and, and you can run fast. It's pretty outstanding. So, um, super pumped to have you on, man. Um, you've always seemed like, uh, you know, a cool, cool cat and you, you obviously have done some incredible things, uh, in high school and then also now in college. And now I think everybody's kind of looking forward to your, your post-collegiate career. Hopefully that, you know, your you're planning on doing that. I don't know that for sure. Um, but first just start off with like who you are, where you're from, um, you know, kind of your, your little background story, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm from, my name's Chris Nielsen from Kansas city, Missouri. I was born and raised there. Um, and I went to high school, Park Hill high school. Uh, didn't really, know much about track and field at all because I was super into soccer when I was younger and I wanted to do something in the in the spring season to kind of stay in shape for it um and I found track mainly because that was the only one that I thought would be easy uh in like the spring season sports so I went to that and the only coach I actually recognized out there was my eighth grade English teacher and she was the pole vault coach so I was like yeah I'll try that um 
And then the first three times I ever tried pole vaulting, like not first three jumps, but first three days of my pole vaulting experience, I got rejected pretty much every single time. Mm. Um, like oh, sent boy. back on the runway. I don't know what I was doing wrong, <laughs> but it was not going well. It's a good start, man. That's no, it was start. not. And I asked my coach, I was like, am I supposed to suck this bad? And she was like, no, but you know, you'll get better. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, and then eventually I started, uh, uh, my junior year, I started going to a private coach. Um, and I think by the end of my sophomore year, I jumped like 12, three. And then when, when I went into my junior year, um, within like three or four months, I jumped 17. What the heck? Hold on. Say that again. Was that the biggest incremental that we've seen yet? It was, it was crazy. Yeah. So I think when I started going, my club coach, his name was Rick Attic. Um, he was a big time uh, coach over at Nebraska for a little bit. And then he moved on to Kansas and that's where he he coached, uh, Scott Huffman in college. You guys. Mm -hmm. Tons of great, tons of great guys. Attic's like one of the legendary coaches. Yeah. Um, so he's coached a lot of really good guys. And, uh, I just remember, uh, I think it was, uh, November when I started going to him in like right after my sophomore year. Uh, middle of my junior year and then by may like early may i jumped 17 so about five six months ish <laughs> oh that's my crazy, gosh dude. well that is it, the craziest thing i've ever heard i think in pole vaulting yeah so that's far. insane well like what at i guess the the winder way of vaulting we typically try to like win ready get people on bigger poles get them gripping higher you know right. stiffer poles was that did that have a lot to do with it um did you did you just get big enough and powerful enough and fast enough to what grip on a 15 6 or 16 foot pole at the time like take us through that it was a really weird thing because it was like middle of puberty yep and uh i was kind of learning how to like use my body again because i had a weird growth spurt from freshman to sophomore year where i grew from like five six to like six two it was really weird. Um, it was a it was a weird time, but um, I think like all freshman and sophomore year when I was jumping ten and twelve, I was only on like a thirteen foot pole or something like that. And then um, I think exactly like you said, we would just incrementally, progressively go up in poles and pole size. And um, eventually, by the time I had jumped seventeen, even before that, I think when I was jumping sixteen for the first time, um, I was on five meter poles, but they weren't like anything like huge. It was like maybe like a five meter like 15 point something like a like a 190 or a 195 right. but nothing like ridiculous um and i was like you I know mean, fiber yeah. fiber pull heading like right in the in the there's a video on my instagram of me jumping 17 like for the first time and it was it was disgusting so i were getting like whacked in the forehead by my own left hand but oh my gosh um, eventually after that um we kind of figured out how to pull vault like how to how to plant and take off and control your speed and take off a little better and um, just kind of fine tuning things here and there and learning how to run a little better. Cause I was always like really quick footed and didn't really know how to drive out of the back or anything like that. But, um, it was kind of like a, a mix of growing up physically and mentally and also, uh, Rick being an absolute genius when it came Seriously. to both the pole vault and physics. Cause he graduated, yeah. um, like with a, with a master in biomechanics. So the dude is an actual, like, intellectual he's ridiculously intelligent and he knows like he knows how to like analyze everything a part of the vault in a mathematical way so mm-hmm. it's like yeah if you run like this and if you take off like this there should be absolutely no problem so at that point it became a numbers game more than a mental game that's so super that was- cool because like i think about 
what he was was staring at or what challenge he had in front of him like i've got this big athletic dude who has like a soccer athletic background and he just looked he just vaulted 17 feet like holy cow this is pretty cool i wonder what like was there any connection to to attic and um Derek miles, like how'd that transition go through not to like cut your story short, but like from 17 to like, Hey, South Dakota, like what's going on there. It was, uh, the only connection that there was, um, was that when I, when I did jump it, my junior, my junior, my junior state meet, um, one of my competitors, her, his older sister was a South Dakota athlete. So she called up Derek and she was like, you got to, (laughs) <laughs> like you got to hear about this guy and she told him a little bit about me and then she came up to me when i was in the stands with my parents and she was like hey you should think about going to usd um sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh she was like you should think about going to usd and i was like why and she was like like south i was like south dakota why that sounds like terrible she was like oh you know the coach is great and all this other things and then my friend dakota who was the younger brother of my competitor um, he was like, Oh yeah, I'm thinking about going there too. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, and then a few weeks down the line, um, the rules were different back then than they are now. Now I think coaches can kind of call athletes whenever they want. Um, but there was like a specific time allotted to where coaches could contact athletes. I think it was like July 1st going yeah. into their senior year or something. Um, yeah. and Derek was the third guy to call. Um, and I'd already knew who he was and I like researched him and all these other things. And I'd already kind of seen YouTube videos of the vaulting and I was like, well, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So we kind of, we had a chat there for a little bit and he just seemed super nice and relatable. And it, yeah, he was just like instant click of a coach and athlete. So I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. I feel like he, well, yeah, I want to go back in just a second, but just let me finish this thought. I, I feel like you and him are like, I don't know. You guys are kind of similar. Like you're both pretty tall, you know, you, you both are, you know, big, big guys. And, uh, I don't know. I just always like, whenever I saw you and him together that first time jumping, I was like, man, that seems like a pretty good matchup right there. But going back to like when you were in high school, I was creeping admittedly on your uh, Instagram last night. Um, I was, I was just, cause I, I'm not like the greatest, uh, I don't remember names very well and things like that. So I just wanted to make sure that I had all your, your stats and everything correct and everything like that. And I saw that you and that guy, Casey Lightfoot, like have some sort of connection. What, what is that? So uh, he went to Lee summit, I think just Lee Summit High School, and I went to Park Hill, and they're about 30 minutes apart. So every track meet we went to, we were together. Wow, that's um, crazy. And he's two years younger than me, so I've known him since he was like a an eighth grader, kind of. Wow. Um, just because – Did he jump in the same club as you or – No, he jumped in there, – there were two main clubs in like the Missouri-Kansas area. There was Rick Addicts. Um, extreme athletics and then there was Todd Cooper um, and he oh, had yeah, just, yeah 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 Todd Cooper was he he went to Baylor and he 
I can't remember exactly what he jumped. I want to say he jumped like 18, 11, or 19 something, but he yeah. was a really good vaulter. But he was uh, he held the other club in case he went to that one. Okay, cool. Yeah, because you guys did did one of those um, did one of those clubs host that meet uh, at the St. Louis Arch or the remember that there was like a street meet. On the I don't even know if Chris is so. I, this sounds bad, but like <laughs> no, you're, you're fairly. <laughs> I wouldn't say new to the event, but if you started your sophomore, juniorish year in high school, and then you're carrying on through your senior year in college, like you, you've only been in the the heat of battle for six ish years, right? Am I wrong yeah. on that? No, so, you're like, right. wow. so think about that. Like you didn't even, you know as a, as a freshman or sophomore in high school, really know who Derek miles was. So then now to, to think that, you know, Jake, maybe he doesn't even, he's not even familiar yeah, with that one or two years. This into is that. very strange for me. I am, I am completely getting blown away right now. Like I'm still kind of processing this whole you coming up thing uh, from 12, three to 17 feet in one year. This is, this is, I'm, I'm just kind of processing or to zero right to so five ninety five in six years. That's yeah. This is a, this cow. is a lot to process right now. <laughs> Jake, um, I think Jake's I having think a hard time. Like, it's just the process of like, if you get with the right people, then I think it's just, if you get with the right people and then you put like forward a hundred percent effort, it's just going to go well, regardless yeah. of what you're doing. So if you're, if you're crap at math, like me, and you get with a really, really good tutor, and then you're like, okay, I'm too old for this tutor. Now I need to go into a more advanced tutor. And you get to a new tutor, and they teach you more. It's like, okay, now I'm really good at math. Isn't so that crazy? Like, How much of that is mental, though? Like, I mean, you, you, it's so surrounding yourself with the right people, right? So physically, right. I mean, uh, Rick Attic and, and Derek Miles, I, they know a heck of a lot about the pole vault, both for their pole vaulting and their coaching careers. It's like, they're, they're probably pole vault mathematical geniuses, but you talk about surrounding yourself with the right people. Did you feel like, um, whenever you went to South Dakota and just throughout your pole vault career that you've had some people that were like mentally super impactful? Like, I'm so glad I have you in my corner because if it wasn't for you, I'm not sure I could do this. It was a, it was a weird thing. So I do, I do exactly, like you said, I do have those people that are like very mentally stable and mm -hmm. help me stay stable. But at the same time, going back to when I was talking about Rick Attic being ridiculously analytic and mathematical and just uh, practical about the pole vault, there was never a, a, a mention of mental. There was never any mm. like, he, it was like running through wasn't even a, a possibility. And I had absolutely no idea what it was until like my senior year of high school because i had just never done it and i had never really like known i was like i didn't know you could do that and attic was like yeah you can do that and i was like oh okay cool and <laughs> um just eliminate the problem don't even bring up the problem that's that's awesome exactly well he would always be like if you are physically sound and you are healthy and you are running down the runway at a normal speed and you feel good physically there should be absolutely no reason you should run through Wow. And that just got beat into my head for two and a half years straight. So when I got to my senior yeah. year of high school, freshman year of college, and for the rest of my college, it was like running through is not an option because at some point in time, this is going to be my lifeline. So I can't. So there's no need right. for it and there's no oh. space for it. Um, but I think that came from Rick being like, well, if you feel good, there's no reason to. It was always about yeah. numbers and it was always about 
analyzing it in such a, a statistical way, it was just like, you don't run through. That's what our, our dad always said. Um, be mechanical, be mechanical, not emotional. And yeah, that, exactly. that was so, I mean, from high school age, he'd say that it's, it's a numbers game. It's getting the numbers on the, at the right place at the right time on the right pole. You know, obviously if, uh, if, if you're on a third attempt jump and you got people clapping you down the runway, like, and you're, you're out of energy, you know, maybe a little emotions bleed off into it, but at the end of the day, it's the numbers that talk. Right. And that, that was right. And I, I always tell the athletes, I have a club, um, that I own here in Chicagoland area. And I always tell my athletes that are having problems running through whenever you're running down the runway, and you sense that there's a problem, usually like if you just continue to work through it and move through it, it usually ends up being a super, super small problem. Like, but the problem is, is these kids, a lot of people, they think that their problems are huge, they're gigantic, but they're actually very, very minute things like you might take off three inches under or three inches outside but it feels like you're going to take off like a foot and a half under but it's just not not reality you know so i think oh go ahead no you're good it's i just i was just gonna say it's weird how how people can take problems that like exactly how you said are are so small and they'll be like ah this is a big thing so yeah you know one thing this is really random i I don't know if this is relevant to anybody but there was you know have have you ever had problems with winds like wind yeah well you're you're six six five what are you six five Um, five? you just blast right through that i i did used to have them uh freshman year i think it was outdoor national uh outdoor ncaa's um it was just crap weather it was raining it was crosswind and if it wasn't a crosswind it was a headwind there was no mention of a tailwind that day and it was kind of getting to me and uh, matt ludwig uh he went he he just graduated from akron Mm -hmm. he pulled a funny on me he did he barreled down the runway as hard and as fast as he could and and just cleared 60 by a mile and i was like what can you do? So, yeah, right. Um, I, was, I did an experiment though. Whenever I was jumping, I was uh, like, okay, I have an, I have an idea. I have an idea that this wind that's in my face is actually not as bad as what I think it is. So what I did was I took uh, like shooting earplugs and I put it into my ears and I was like, I think that it's the wind going past my ears that's causing me to think that this is like a 30 mile an hour headwind when it's not. And I had an incredible practice right into a headwind. And I was like, okay, that proves to me that a a lot of this is just mental, man. (laughs) I mean, I tried all kinds of weird stuff, man, all kinds of weird stuff. So Going back to you going to South Dakota. So you, you obviously, that was obviously a very good choice. Um, You, you making that decision. Um, What, what are the biggest things that went into that decision? Obviously one of them is Derek. um, But what are some other things that went into your decision? Because I, I think there's a lot of kids out there that are trying to make those decisions on what school they should go to. And I don't know, maybe you could offer them a little bit of advice. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, the biggest thing immediately that comes to my head is the relatability to your coach. So some people, the, the coach's job is not only to coach you to be a better pole vaulter, but his job is to connect with you in a way to where you feel comfortable and secure. So if he's able to do that, 
fantastic. That's how you're going to build a great coach athlete relationship. And there's going to be that, that connection that you guys are going to have. There's going to be that trust. And Derek kind of, in a way he did what a lot of other coaches didn't. Every other coach put their stuff on the table and this is like, this is what I got. And then he came and he was like, this is what I got, but here's this. And the here's this was his, his compassion and his, his trust for his athletes and the amount of knowledge that he has in the pole vault, mainly because he's done it for so long, both as a, an athlete and as a coach, that he kind of has his, his foot in all corners where um, a lot of coaches may not have that. Like Rick, he, he did vault in high school, but he wasn't on the professional circuit. He didn't go through traveling. He wasn't a collegiate vaulter. He was just a ridiculously smart person and knew a lot about the pole vault. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that a lot of the time there were some, there were some places, I think I went on a lot of visits, but there, um, South Dakota was the only one college visit that did not take me out to a party. There was wow. no party. <laughs> uh, wow. So that was, that was first one. Cause, um, <laughs> I was like, I'm not drinking ever back yeah. when I was in high school, when I turned 21, different story. But, yeah. um, right. Uh, when I got there, everybody was super nice, super dedicated to their craft and they were ridiculously talkative. And that was really what I wanted. I wanted people to come up and talk to me and just like, not even ask me about me, but like, tell me about them so mm-hmm. I can learn more about what USD was like. And, um, uh, Derek was one of the only coaches that kind of made me feel like not a number more like an athlete. And he told me two things that sold me immediately. And I was like, I'm signing right now. Uh, one of them was, he said, at the end of the day, I don't care what you jump. If you're having a good time and you are learning, then that is all I care about. So at that point I was like, that's a pretty good point. And then there was a time at the very end of my visit with South Dakota where I was sitting down with Lucky Huber. He's the head coach and Derek. And Derek said, you can go anywhere in the world anywhere in the country, anywhere to become a better pole vaulter, but you will never find a coach who cares about you more than I do. And I was like, sold. I'm signing right now. Wow. That's mm. awesome. I was That's like, true. you cannot put a price tag on that. There's That's bold. nothing better. That's bold, but it's, I mean, you can see it from an outsider's perspective because um, Emily Grove, she goes mm-hmm. there, right? Uh, or yeah. went there. Um, what year is she? Is she, she's out? She, yeah, she graduated in 20. 17 so that's the 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 jake and i jake and i've been out of the circuit for a little while so this is our dusting off of, uh, i got you <laughs> jake it's jake, embarrassing man it's, I, there's it's, so many of you guys you guys are all so good now it's like, true it's like i don't know what to do there's there's so many people jumping so high that it's like can't even you know keep track there's gonna it. be like a fifth grader that jumps 550 someday like so, it's, it's freaking <laughs> crazy man apologies emily grove but um she's in illinois she's in illinois flying dragons gal um yeah um but basically i see her i see you i see this university of south dakota kind of click you guys have there and it does seem like you guys are really tight really well supported um plus if you dive back not even that far on youtube you see Derek miles at university of south dakota still vaulting at that indoor facility there um that's pretty cool to know that you've got somebody who, you know, at the end of the day can still probably beat the majority of any of your competitors if he really wanted to, right? Derek could pick up a pole, any pole right now and probably run down the runway and just kill it. 
It, like, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. This man has not lost any athletic ability over the last four or five years of his retirement. That's insane. That's awesome. That's just man. like yeah, Hart- and- we just had Hartwig on, and um, I mean, well, you know, you know, Jeff Hartwig. He's he's vaulted, you know, 19 feet a billion times, and it's like, and he did it Every into his out, yeah. into his 40s, and it's like, what is going on with? these Earl Bell guys that have this longevity and this ability to pole vault, you know, you know, 20 years past what their, what, what yeah. the, the normal stereotype expectation is. Right. Yeah. That's wild. So what the, I guess that's another good point that Josh brought up was, is there something to having a coach that has been where you want to go? Is there something to that? Like, did that go into your decision at all too? Like, like for me personally, like, it's like you, somebody telling you something to do, like you need to do this. Sometimes it holds a little bit more weight whenever they've been there. That put go into your decision. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like, it's like, are you going to trust a, are you going to take, business advice from a person who has a master's in business administration or are you going to take business advice from some dude on the street like right well while they both may be experienced in their own specific craft the person who has the the master's degree in it is going to have more knowledge and they're going to be more practical about the whole thing derek has his phd in vault and yeah right (laughs) because he went through so many different types of it he went through collegiate balls and he went through that kind of like awkward phase where he was between collegiate and professional um and then when he finally jumped 19 feet then he started going on the professional circuit and doing all those things and exactly like you said he he has been where i'd like to go so not only can he provide insight but he can kind of not micromanage but he can be like okay this is, this is the best I can do for you. This is the best advice I can offer. The rest mm-hmm. is kind of on you. So whereas a lot of right. collegiate athletes coming out of college, that's the difference I feel between high school to college and college to pro is that when you come out of high school, you have someone holding your hand. You have a collegiate coach. You have the faculty. You have the athletic department. When you come out of college, there's nobody holding your hand. Mm-hmm. You have an agent you can talk to sometimes. Right. Um, yep. And if you're sticking with your coach, then you can kind of talk to them. But if they haven't been through it, they're going to be like, nah, I don't really know what to tell you. But Derek has been there for such a long time. He's not necessarily going to hold my hand, but he's going to be like, this is wrong. This is right. Make mm-hmm. your own decision. It's your life. I think that is invaluable. And I think that you should hold on to Derek as tightly as you can (laughs) for as long as you can. Yeah. Because it honestly, like I, when I got out of college, my, my, my path through this thing was, was a little different because I, my dad and I, we were kind of like, okay, I was the first one to get past that, that kind of threshold into a Lee vaulting of, of five fifty. That was right around where I was at. And, and we were just kind of after college, we were taking shots in the dark, you know, like, mm-hmm. well, I'll just shoot an email to this guy and see if I can get in this meet or, or I'll, yeah. you know, I, I don't know, you know, we don't, we were taking shots in the dark. So I think that that is going to be an invaluable resource for you moving forward post-collegiately, you know, pending i'm assuming are you planning on jumping post-collegiate yes okay cool <laughs> Absolutely. I, I don't know some people just are like you know what 
I'm done. See you <laughs> no, later, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. record holder. I'm done. But no. but that will be that will be an invaluable resource for you because like Josh said, we just had Jeff Hartwig on and I had I I had it was like a a mystery on how to go about mm-hmm. this post-collegiate pole vaulting thing and I like I said I was taking shots in the dark and I didn't have anybody to be like, "Hey, how does this work? You know? And, and so that's going to be really, really awesome for you. Speaking of what are your plans? Like what, how how are you going to go about doing this? It's a lot of weird stuff right now because of this whole, I was uh, going to, yeah, that's, I mean, I guess tiny bit of, of backing up a tiny bit, just because I want to get a a little bit of context going into it. Like what some people might be listening to this months from now, years from now, hopefully we don't, we don't know, what's going on right now? Like you got your season completely hacked off after a huge February, right? Yeah. I mean, take it us was, through uh, that. It, it was, it's so like, Oh, what happens now? Because it's super unprecedented. So we you get to the five. Into- yeah. Five. What was it? Five ninety three. Five ninety three. Yeah. At Nebraska, the meet right before our conference meet. And then um, we kind of heard talk about like this team or this conference is pulling out of NCAAs. And we were like, we're going to go anyway. So we get there and I'm mid interview right before the championships, like the day before the championships. And some dude comes in and says, it's done. And I'm like, what do you mean it's done? And he's like, we canceled it. It's canceled. And I'm like, all right. So I like stood up and I got my bag and I was like, okay, I guess we're leaving. And then we literally got a flight home the next day. And we were like, what do we do now? And the plan, the plan was to go into outdoor season, finish NCAAs, hopefully do something along the lines of those professional quote unquote post-collegiate things, kind of like get with somebody and then go into the Olympic trials with that. But everything got canceled. So now it's just like nothing is available right now. So right now we just need to train stay active, stay prepared. Right. And then when something comes along, you just kind of got to take it. So whenever you heard that, so like was some people, that's a common story now, obviously seniors in high school, seniors in college, you know, some people are taking this super, super hard. How have you been doing with the whole thing? I mean, another great thing I learned from Derek is you can't get upset over things you can't control. And I can't control the governing bodies, whether it be, you know, the USOC or the NCAA or anybody canceling their seasons because they're doing it for the, the, the betterment of the mass, mass majority. So it's like, what can you do other than just be like, okay, got to do this. So I think it was, ugh, for lack of better terms, it was crappy. I got my last season taken away from me and uh, I got the ability to, compete in my last year of NCAA championships taken away from me. But at the same time, it's like, do I really want to come back for a fifth year and do this whole rodeo all over again and have to retro my indoor season? And I was like, no, not really. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think that's, I think that's smart. I mean, it's not like you're, you know, going to be fighting to get, you know, a high enough bar after college to be able to be admitted to these meets and things like that. If, if you were, if you had jumped lower, you know, if you were right, like where I was maybe like 550 or 560 or something, maybe that, that last season, but you've already won three national championships, man. Do you know how hard that is? Obviously you do, but that is freaking (laughs) nuts. Three national championships to be able to come and, 
it's, I'm not going to say it's easy to jump high, you know, outside of, of the national competitions. It's hard to jump high, but it is hard to come in as one of the front runners and perform on that day. Mm-hmm. It is so hard. I don't care how high you've jumped. I don't care if you've jumped two feet higher. I was a division three athlete and I had legitimately almost jumped two feet higher than everybody else in the field. And I still lost national championships. (laughs) (laughs) All I had to do was make my opening bar. Yeah. And I still lost, you know, Mm -hmm. like one year, maybe two years, no one year. (laughs) Um, But that that is absolutely amazing that you can come in and you win three national championships so props to you for that Thank you. um and how how going into one of those national championships mentally what are you what are you thinking are you more of a just bend it and send it or are you think is are there specific things that Derek's like hey we got to do this. We got to grip this. We got to be on this. You know, is it like that or is it just let it, let it all hang out? It's kind of a mix. So where, as I said, Rick would say all the time, you know, if you're feeling good physically, then there should be no issue. Eric was kind of the same way. He said, if you're running, you know, nine, seven down the runway and you got a big size ball in your hand, there should be absolutely zero limit to what you can clear beyond, you know, human normal physics and limits. Right. Um, but we would go in and I think the thing that would prepare me most for that was the security of the last six months. So say we were going into an indoor NCAAs and that's in early March. I have, I know for a fact over the last, from August to February, I've been so physically prepared for this that it's like, there's no reason I shouldn't jump high. Um, besides just like, you know, beers and, and things like that, that come along. But, um, yeah at the same time it's like we can't go in and be like oh we were on this starting pole at this meet we should do the same this meet it's all about like how does the natural progression or the natural flow of things go in a meet like this and if you're at a meet with such high stakes as an NCAA world championship you're going to be surged with adrenaline and you're going to want to go 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 so that it kind of that kind of affects things here and there but uh i don't know it's, it's a mix of like we got to do this but at the same time it's like whatever for sure. What, what do you, what does one do, um, during COVID-19 quarantine, like to stay kind of, I guess, segueing into like the post collegiate kind of taper weird time you're at right now in terms of like actual physical training, are you doing, are you doing, you heading out to the track? Are you getting kicked out of public places? Do you have a weight room you're working out at? How's that whole journey working? Uh, well, all of the USD facilities, I'm sure like every other university got shut down. So we can't use the outdoor track, can't use the indoor facility, can't. Um, we had this thing called the annex. Um, it's kind of like this, <clears throat> I don't want to say shack, but it's like a facility uh, off the highway that we would use for little vault sessions here and there. But that got shut down as well. Mm. Um, so we ended up just going, myself and a couple other athletes who are still uh, here, we ended up going to the high school track uh, took a couple poles and then we would do pole. We'll do pole runs and front workouts and things like that. And we have lifts coming from, um, Derek, like he'll send us plyometrics and, uh, other sprint workouts and things to like stay aerobically sound. Um, but then we have no place to vault. Um, for lifting, we kind of just, I don't want to say stole, but we acquired 
some <laughs> barbells and stuff and dumbbells and things like that. Um, so we're kind of doing Olympic lifting here and there when we can. Yep. But um, I don't know. It's you're tough, in a you know? full on. Yeah, I mean that's 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 crazy. way more limited than I would expect. Yeah, and, you know, you're one of the best. I, I'd want to say one of the best athletes in the in the world and one of the hardest events in the world. And it's like sure. you're. <laughs> you're you're trying to lift out of uh borrowed weights and pull runs on high school tracks i think that's a pretty humbling thing especially for people at like jake's you know club who obviously they're they're shut down as well right now but it's like you guys got it really good when this thing opens back up man i mean you've got got a nice facility nice runway nice you know weights you can use um insane i guess Jake, can Hold Chris, on. speaking of how, how, can uh, how high can you, your place? Yeah. How high can you jump from seven lefts? <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> seven lefts. Yeah. Uh, probably five eighty, eighty five, somewhere on there. I think, okay. Uh, I think you could jump five eighty five in our facility. If you're ever in Chicago land area, come seriously, on through, make the trip down. Yeah, All right, man. Do it. Um, yeah, that's offers on the table. We'll figure out a way to do it. I don't care. I'll get arrested. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I'll change well, Jeff, myself to the door. Jeff Coover wants to come. Actually, that would be pretty cool, man. If you can tee up an opportunity to get Coover, Nilsson, a couple of these people who are on this podcast and just do a yeah, do a like six or seven left competition, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, because we got 120 feet in our club right now. Um, well, I mean, well, he, you're six. You're huge. What's your seven left approach? You could probably only do six. Like 114, something like that. Is okay. your seven? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you're, that's no problem. We got that, man. Um, yeah, that, so, so what are you doing? Like, so have you, have you contacted anybody? Are you, are you going to sign with an agent? Are you going to go after shoe deals and do the whole shebang? I've talked to... I've talked to a couple people. I won't name them. Just uh, right, yeah. You know, say for their privacy and things like that. But I've talked to yeah. a couple people, and a lot of them, <clears throat> most have told me like, "There's nothing right now." So right, it it's all about like who will be available when um, things might start opening back up for that kind of thing in November. But right now, it's kind of just a it's a waiting game. You know, I think. Right. I think my friend told me that Adidas is something like $9 billion in debt. So obviously they're not going to be trying to sign anybody. Um, Nike is kind of in a similar situation. You know, they're, they're not as bad in a situation, but they're, you know, they're not doing great. They're not doing so hot right now either. Um, you yeah. know, rightfully so, but it's, uh, it's kind of just a waiting game. And if meets open up, then you go, but if they don't, then you don't. And you just kind of wait and see what happens. Right. And I think, I think for that whole like shoe contract, I could be wrong. I think for that whole shoe contract thing and getting into, you know, big meets and things like that, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think you still kind of have to prove yourself a little bit post-collegiately. No, absolutely. Every, it sucks to say, but it's not like I'm talking down on anybody, but every, every company, whether it's like Nike, Adidas or anything smaller is what have you done for me lately company. Mm -hmm. Because what their goal at the, is at the end of the day is they want to make a profit. And if they can't make a profit off of you or if they can make a profit better off of someone else, they're going to pick that other option. And they're not mm -hmm. going to put any risk into someone when they don't have the opportunity of a benefit in the long run. 
So yeah, it sure. doesn't matter if I'm jumping 595, 593 in college. If I come out and I'm jumping 540, it's like nobody cares. Yeah, you gotta like right. you gotta you gotta be like you can win a medal or nothing. <laughs> Something, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Jeff Hartwig said was. Um, Jake asked a really good question, and if you haven't listened to it, um, you know, hop back to uh, the the Jeff Hartwig episode whenever it comes out. The he said that would you would you rather have a vaulter that jumps you know six meters once at like a street vault on you know a Saturday in the summer or something, or somebody who vaults five seventy pretty much every time he's up to bat, and you know. Jeff said not to ruin the spoiler alert, but he said the consistency that the high level consistency at the right meets at the right time. And obviously you have that. I looked, um, you know, pop back on Google and Wikipedia and I'm like, Holy cow, this dude is just a savage. He just evolves, you know, mid eighteens or higher pretty much always, um, on big stages and everything. And I'm excited to see that carry to, um, carry post collegiately. Um, have you, do you have any plans like, immediate plans as for like, let's say COVID, um, or this quarantine or the stay at home kind of gets lifted. Do you have like a, man, I'd love to get in a meet late summer, early fall to get something, get the wheels turning, anything like that? Absolutely. Every, any meet that opens up, I'm going to go to just because I'd yeah. like to, I'd like to get back on it, but it's like, uh, <clears throat> I haven't vaulted in <sighs> two months. <laughs> so kind of got to get back on that track i'm going down to kansas city here pretty soon next week um so i can vault a couple times with casey lightfoot um there you go see how that goes um but kind of try to get back on the wagon but if a meet opens up in july august september i'm going yep yeah and usatf i've already contacted them because like there's a lot of people i'm actually getting texts right now like are you gonna have any meets um and when are you opening back up and all these things and they've said that they will sanction a meet this summer um i think it just has to be you know like we we live in illinois so our wonderful government in illinois is uh taking a long long time to open back up um i think everybody and, is, yeah. <clears throat> but but once we once we do get get going i think that the usatf will sanction me and it, there will be opportunities i just don't think there's going to be like that big paris diamond league or like any of these big giant spectator meets i think it's going to be more like rinky dink you know <laughs> so and so's got a meet you know yeah. we can only allow 20 people so sign up quick you know so i I hope that we can get that stuff going i can't tell if there's gonna be like 50 100 people at these meets 200 people at these meets or like nothing i mean i'm signed up for some of these races i've shifted to to you know marathon running and distant and trail running and such and i'm like emailing these meet directors for these these runs in in july and august and i'm like how many people are are going to be showing up. I mean, one guy told me that 400 out of 800 people dropped out or asked for their money back. And it's like, so you don't know if it's going to go the other way, if there's going to be a meet and somebody's going to host it. And it's like, eh, it's summertime. We got to get you vaulting, dude. We got to get you vaulting again. What? I mean, this is, this is this podcast that we're doing right now. I'm just getting my mind blown left and right. We need to get you back. What's it? It'd be eight, eight or nine hour drive probably from, from where you're at in South Dakota to, to Jake's facility. 
I yeah. guess Jake's volunteering to to offer up his basement couch to you as well. <laughs> it's actually There's right behind giant, that screen that you're you're staring at. <laughs> There's a big giant bed at the club. It's called the pole vault pit. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. I'm hey, kidding. it's probably the Dude, size any, of Chris's bed. Anything that you ever, ever need, just hit me up and, and we'll get you taken care of. But, um, Absolutely. I appreciate what, that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess in this downtime, what are some things that you would consider like a weakness that you could improve on? I think now um, <clears throat> it's weird because when we're training, um, when I say we, I mean – all athletes, um, I feel like when we're training, what we want to focus on is speed and strength. How can we improve speed, but keep the stability to where we don't like lose stability when we're trying to, but if you're, if you're running nine, nine down the runway, you have to learn how to control it. Otherwise the ball is just going to work. Um, mm -hmm. or if you're too strong, like if you're too big, you just have too much mass and it's going to be hard to move all of that, and, you know, physics take over and so does gravity. So um <clears throat> i think hey chris hold on one second whenever chris says running nine nine or nine seven down the runway he means nine nine point nine meters per second so that's how fast he's running down the runway go, right, go i'm on. not Sorry. running nine nine i wish i'm running yeah. <laughs> I, think I think i've run nine like high nine seven something like that but nothing like that's ridiculous that's still like really Bruno. fast um, yeah right but what um what's what's funny is that a lot of people tend to skip over plyos and that's kind of what we've been focusing a lot on because if you're doing plyos, you know, like standing long jump, standing triple jump, hurdle hops, um, stuck in the mud, things like that, those take a toll on your body like no other. So now when we're not expected to meet any expectations of a meet um, or time management of a meet, we can kind of just do that and we can kind of focus on that. So right now, Derek is actually pushing a lot of that. We're pushing a lot of plyos at least once or twice a week so we can kind of get that. And the reason we're doing that is ground responsiveness. Mm -hmm. And that is something yeah, that I'm sure. really bad at. I'm really bad because I'm kind of heavy footed. I'm not light on my feet. Um, and if you can be really responsive up, up your steps, especially those last six steps when you're coming into the takeoff, when you're trying to build to max velocity, if you can have as little ground contact as possible and be super responsive and active off those last two steps, it's like you're carrying speed. So that's what we would be doing in a takeoff. Now let's work on it since we have time to do so. So I think, in a long version of what I should have made really short, ground responsiveness is my weakness. That's that we've been that, that's a huge thing that we, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but didn't we, we spent so much time on that in college? And granted, we, um, you know, at, at North Central, we've had some 18 footers and stuff, but uh, nobody with the ability to to grip the end of a or close to the end of a 520 pole. I feel like possibly, um, you know, we could have had 18 high 18s 19 plus vaulters but we always one thing if you look at our videos of all of the north central guys for the most part we did a heck of a lot of plyometric stuff a lot of really uh, you know box awareness stuff and it, we had we had pretty good last few strides of our approach which usually resulted in not to get too deep in the pole vault talk here but a, a fairly outside takeoff and i guess w you're on such a big pole gripping really high one i'm curious if you could take us through a couple of those numbers so that we can get an idea of like what what your pole size um is and and grip but also like where your takeoff mark is and kind of how important that piece is 
Yeah. Um, before I do that, going back, exactly like you said, whenever I've watched videos of you guys vaulting or of Luke yeah. vaulting, the last like few steps, like I'm jealous because this oh, guy comes yeah. in and he's super light. You guys are all super light on your feet and you guys are always taking off out, especially Luke whenever I saw him. Was he at Reno this year or last year? I think it was, uh, I think it was this year. This year. I think yeah, I, I think watched this him year. take a couple of vaults and I just watched him like boom, 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 like super fast, super efficient. I was like, I wish, but um, <laughs> that's good though. He'll he'll appreciate that. You can um, do it. You can do it, Luke. <laughs> he's he's a lot. I'll say it. He's a lot more technically sound than I am, but um, it, we're coming into the takeoff for sure. But um, for takeoff stuff, I think I've been on five twenty since sophomore year of college, and. Uh, I think my pole range will usually range somewhere from like a 13, 13, five, anywhere to like an 11, nine is the biggest I've been on. Wow. Um, so that's what, so, like a, a 205 to 230, like range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's yep. huge. And usually I'll start the meet out because um, Derek usually has this thing where whenever you go up a pole, you should also take an inch of grip. But where you start at the meet is kind of like how it's going through warm-ups. So usually I think I'll start the meet at like a 16-8 grip, something like that, and then I'll progressively move up to 17, 17-1. I'm not super comfortable like completely capping just because I've had a couple situations where I was doing that and I like slipped off and I mm-hmm. wasn't a super fan of that situation. But um, <laughs> I bet, yeah. <clears throat> when it's like That's okay insane. you're down to your last hole and you're blowing through it then it's like okay you kind of gotta you gotta nut up and you gotta cap it and go so goodness um, so close there. to close to a seven so i guess if if you had a perfect day right you'd be going full approach on a gripping close to 17 feet um on a you know 11 9 11 8 whatever it is taken off at what 14 ish uh, 13, nine to 14 is where we're going is okay. where we'd like to be. Um, right. I don't personally, I don't think I can handle an out takeoff. Just really? because you're, you're also I- really, really, I mean, you got, you got a really tall takeoff angle. It's just like we talked about, um, grande. He, he's, he was so big that he could take off yeah. at 12 feet and, or 11, six. And it was like, that's on, or that's not gotta- too far under. You got a set of shoulders on you too. You can handle it, man. (laughs) (laughs) So if you were to vault six meters, when you vault six meters, what do you think your numbers are going to be on that jump? If you had to predict. It's going to be, it's going to be a toss of the coin, man. Honestly, I couldn't tell you at 93. um, I think I jumped it on at 593 when I was in Nebraska, I jumped it. I was, I think I was on a 520. 12 one i think i want to say it's like the pull right before that 11 nine jump okay um i was gripping 16 11 uh and my takeoff was i think i was under actually i think i took off at like 13 six um but i think Mm. it's if i can get that kind of not out but towing off kind of thing where a pull hits the back of the box right when my toe is like just barely touching the ground Yep. Yeah. Um, right. Decent size pole, decent grip. Um, it it'd have to be a pretty big pole. Like if you're jumping six meters, you're gonna you're either gonna be really technically efficient, or you're gonna be fast and on a big pole. 
and I think I'm more on the spectrum of fasting on big pole. Uh, so sweet. What What about? So have you always jumped on Essex? No, actually, no. I was a uh, fresh. Uh, so, uh, what was it? Junior year of high school through freshman year through halfway through my freshman year of college, I was on the Black Carbon FX, um, and I loved them all the way up until Texas Relays of my freshman year, where I snapped one in like three pieces, and I was like, "That's not great." Uh, <laughs> and then five days later in practice, I broke another one and smacking in the back of my head. And Derek and I were like, we're done. We're not doing that. And mainly not because we had broken two poles because we were like, okay, it, it's an inherent risk. It comes with the travel. It's going to happen. It's fine. And then we started right. hearing about people across the world doing it. Raphael Hodstepa, Alicia Newman, Piotr Lisek, uh, Pavel Wojcikowski, all these guys and, and other girls started breaking carbon effect poles. So we were like, that's a problem. And Deparwig, exactly like you guys were talking about earlier, um, he was the one to tell me, he was like, it's not a good time right now. Like, we'll call you when we can come back and be like, okay, let's, you know, revisit. But right now it's not a good time. So you're like, okay. Um, right. And Grande, he was the first guy we talked to because we wanted to stick on carbons because we didn't think it was a good idea to go from carbon to spirit mid-season. Um, <clears throat> so we... Uh, yeah, that's a sketchy one. I went from carbon to spirit and, and that was hard. I mean, it can be done. People do it all the time. But right. it, was, it was tough because that carry weight you know, it, it may be a fraction of a pound, but it's still, it still was difficult and, and that it's definitely noticeable. And when you're vaulting at a high level, you know, that, that is a, even a little tiny minute change can really make a big difference. And then it's, it, they're a little, they're not as responsive as, as a carbon, especially those, those uh, older black carbons were pretty responsive and things like that. So yeah. keep, keep going, continue on. Um, I'm exactly like you said, um, <clears throat> Derek told me, he's like, yeah, you want to go to a spirit? You want to put a 520 something, 12 point something in your hands? We can do that. I'm like, I'm good. Um, yeah. But uh, we talked to Grande and then uh, he actually sent me his bag of poles and I vaulted on those for a little bit. Actually, it was a funny thing because um, my PR before the whole Essex situation was 570 and then the first meet ever, first time ever actually, because we didn't practice on them. We kind of just brought them to a meet and we were like, we need to jump. So we need to, we need to take these poles because we're not taking the carbons. So they're going to break. So we went to this meet and I PR'd, you know, 573. Um, uh -oh. First time ever jumping on Essex. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to keep them. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. And then we were vaulting on them for like a few meets. And it was weird because we were doing well, but it was the form had changed. So uh, whenever I would go over a bar, no matter how my how how good my takeoff was, how much head chest drive I got into the takeoff, my chest would die over the bar. So we were like, uh, maybe this isn't working. And we ended up talking to Beto. He's one of the engineers over at Essex. Um, and he was like, we'll kind of mess some things around. We'll change it up and see what we can do. And I made it actually pretty close um, in comparison to uh, a Carbon FX pole. And that's the pole I jump on now. So it's kind of like a weird mixture of stuff in, a, in an Essex. And so you got that custom. You got yeah, that custom Yeah, I was going to say, made. it seems like Essex is, is willing to, you know, for, for those people that qualify, you know, the, the upper level elite guys, they're kind of making these special concoctions for people. I could be wrong, but I know that 
Sam Kenricks has like a tiny bit, a tiny bit of a, a, a tweak on his poles, like whether it's, you know, where the bend's at or even the amount of like carbon and weight and uh, mandrel size, like, are they just, are they just willing to accommodate any of the elites? Like, how's that, how's that process work? Do you have any idea? I think Essex, regardless of if you're a leader or amateur, they're going to try to, they're going to try to help you reach your goals. So if you come to them and say, Hey, I want to jump on Essex. I want to jump on a carbon. You guys are the ones I trust the most. What can we do here? Then they'll go back in and they'll be like, okay, well, we'll figure something out. And, um, I just happened to get lucky enough to where they were willing to be so helpful and it ended up working out the first time. So they came up with something and they were like, okay, how's this work? And it worked perfectly. So there was no problem. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. They're, they say they're a good company. They, I think, uh, I think they do a good job and they, you know, I, I mean, I know Gil used to help out elites too. I, I'm pretty sure that there were some, you could get some sort of, um, you know, the sale piece adjustment or something like that. Like back, you know, I, I think a lot of pole companies do that, but it seems like Essex is doing a good job. Um, you know, making sure that their vaulters are taken care of and they're they, taking they do. the market by storm for sure you see yellow poles everywhere man everywhere yeah it's crazy Great. yeah well i i wanted to ask you chris what uh kind of uh, going into some some hobbies some different things getting to know you a little bit more jake and i always try to say like when we do these these podcasts like let's try to not get too detailed and granular into the pole vault talk and it's like man we're always talking about meters per second we're always talking <laughs> flex points like takeoff angles all sorts of stuff but let's get to know you a little bit um i'm curious like what do you do for fun like tell me tell me outside of politing i know you're like elite and you got to stay in this you know 595 plus shape but like you love coffee i think like yep. what what else tell me about it Coffee, coffee world. Um, mainly it started because I started working at a cafe in town and uh, my friend kind of introduced me to the whole coffee world and how big and complex it is. And I was like, it's coffee, dude. Like, what are you getting so worked up about? And he told me like, there's literal competitions, world world championships for who can pour the best latte art. Like mm. who can pour the, the coolest flower on top of a latte. I was like, that's dumb. And then I got into it and <laughs> been doing it ever since. But um did that um there's roaster competitions and there's like different types of coffee events that go across the country i've been to so many of them um, wow there's a bunch of stuff like uh sioux city iowa every year they'll hold a siouxland coffee um coffee fest and i go to that every year and there's a bunch of other things like across the country and um i don't know it's, it's just a lot of fun and my roommates and i because uh, i'm moving in with some roommates um here pretty soon they're all super up on the coffee world as well so we're kind of just learning that's, how to do that kind of thing. That's interesting, man. So I'm actually on a coffee break right now. Uh, cause what happens with me is I have an extremely addictive personality. <laughs> if it's, if it's coffee, it starts off with one cup and then it moves to two. And then before you know it, I'm like 600 milligrams of caffeine deep yeah. and like, just like, like I, I was like spazzing out on my, I'm, I'm spazzing out on my, not like freaking out crazy, but spazzing out a little bit on my daughters uh, the other day because, you know, they're screaming and we're in quarantine and, and I was like, why am I so mad? 
was like, because like, you drank a whole pot of coffee. I drank 600 milligrams of coffee or of uh, caffeine. And, and so I am on a little bit of a break right now, but I actually do. I do really, really love coffee too. I drink. Uh, so like I drink the four sigmatic coffee with uh, the lion's mane mushroom in it. Um, what are you drinking these days? Like if you were to, it, your go-to, like do you, you must have some sort of special machine. You got the pour over and all that gooseneck little dealio. See, I don't really have the money to go and just buy out, buy all these pour overs and things. But like, honestly, if I can get my hands on a Guatemalan, like a little, like a, like a medium roast Guatemalan with mm. uh, some, some different hints of different flavors in there. I don't care. I'll drink it. Um, my friend, my friend Cristobal, I'll kind of shout him out. Uh, he is uh, he was kind of he was the guy who got me into the whole coffee art thing back in the day, and he is super huge on the coffee world. And he like he'll do me a favor and he'll bring me back like a bag of guat um, or something like that, and he'll always be like, try this Ethiopian or um, try this Colombian. I'm like, okay, all right. And every single time, I'm like, this is better than the last one. Please bring me more. I'll pay you. Um, <laughs> and I just, he, I think he, he just gave me another bag of um, like Colombian, so I'm probably going to end up trying that later. But Heck um, yeah. my, so, I'm not like sitting in my apartment like, yeah, like, you know, let's do this pour over thing. I'm like, let's use my French press or something. And just do you get some coffee drink going. coffee? Like, I guess this is a little bit interesting because like I, I was a big like have to have cup of coffee on meat day because I always have a cup of coffee the morning right. of, and I don't want to change my routine. Do you swear by that? Are you like, uh, I'm, I'm not going to let this affect me. I have to have two cups. Like where do you kind of fall on that spectrum? Um, I could live with or without, it's not like I have to have it. I think that the competition juices probably end up flowing at one point in time, regardless of caffeine or not. But yep. if I have the chance to go and get some form of caffeine, whether it's a coffee, a Red Bull or a caffeine pill, I'll take it. Got so, it. um, I think it's like, I don't really need to sit here and like, some of my teammates have told me they drink a bang and they're like, I want to feel the jitters. And I'm like, I'm trying to hold on to my pole. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we we had a bad problem at my club with uh, kids like coming in. This is actually a funny story. They would come in all the time with these they'd stop by the gas station they'd get the bang energies they'd come in they'd be slamming the bang energies and what in the world know, just, are bang energies you never I mean, heard of bang energy no. red, bull, red bull times like five in one can what i'm right. gonna grab one of these at the local <laughs> no i've messed around with them i've messed around no. with them it's not i mean it's what for me with an addictive personality, I'm putting down a couple bangs, man. I'm, I'm, I'm putting down a couple bangs. Okay, so here's here's the breakdown on bangs. All right, I'm I'm kind of I like nutrition. I kind of geek out on that. Um, so That's it's cool. three three hundred milligrams of caffeine per, which is per can, which is a good amount of caffeine. Mm. Uh, uh, an average cup of coffee is like 90 to 100 milligrams of caffeine. And then it has, um, I think they call it like their super creatine. So it's got creatine in it, which I think is kind of cool. Um, and then and then it also has, you can get two different kinds. You can get the branch chain amino acid one, uh, the BCAAs one, or you can get the essential amino acid one, the EAAs. And I always get the 
essential amino acids because your body they're more bioavailable um so when you're going oh. to 7-eleven and you're you're picking out your bang just spin it around and on the top lid it'll have and make sure you get the eaa one because you're going to be able to absorb those better but anyway we had this uh crazy problem at the club with these people bringing all kinds of pre-workouts just dumping pre-workout into their cups like man shaking it up to do some straight pull swing through drills or something yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then and then there was a kid at our at our school or at our club who uh he was younger and he snuck into somebody's uh thing into their pre-workout because he was like man these guys are doing it they're in high school you know blah 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 he snuck in and i got a text from his mom later on that night was like hey uh so what's going on with my son because he's bouncing off the walls right Mm. now because of (laughs) he because somebody gave him a scoop of pre-workout i was like what so i was i the next day i practiced i was like listen it's no more bangs it's no more pre-workouts <laughs> man we're done i'm so I was intrigued like, by try bangs, man. try to just pole vault and go through a workout just your natural self and you'll probably not be as much of a spaz and mm-hmm. it ended up working out the kids were like hey guess what i just had a really good workout and i didn't have a bang today i was Isn't like yeah. crazy check it out it's like it's like someone who's addicted they have like a problem they're going through withdrawals <laughs> straight up man so does it affect you like because there's some people that process caffeine super easily like their body handles it very very well you're you're a big guy so maybe so does your body kind of process caffeine really well so to where it doesn't wig you out or anything I used to, because um, I, regardless of how involved I've been in the coffee world over the last couple of years, I've been drinking coffee since I was in middle school, because oh, I liked it. So yeah. um, I used to get the jitters, and now it's kind of like I need to drink a good amount of caffeine now to get like any like super effect. Like it'll wake me up in the morning, but it's not, I'm not gonna be here like shaking over it. Um, no, but I don't know. Do you have um, any issues with sleep from it? Like at night, do you have issues falling asleep? No, I like, I will drink if I go to bed, like my normal bedtime right now is like midnight, midnight 30. I'll drink a coffee at like 1130 for the taste. Goodness. That's insane. (laughs) I, I, yeah, I'm, I can do a two, 3 PM, but if I'm creeping past that, Jake's, Jake shuts it off. Like, right. You want to know when I shut it off? Well, right now I'm on nothing because I'm on nothing because I was about to burn my house down because (laughs) I was so mad and so irritable. Um, So anyway, I shut it off at 9 a.m. Nothing after 9 a.m. But I'm yeah, I know it's I'm boring donkey dad. Donkey dad, (laughs) call him the donkey dad. (laughs) (laughs) Donkey dad over here. Yeah, what a loser. but hey, Jake, I, I got you this iced coffee from Starbucks. It's 10 o'clock. Sorry, nope. I can't. Take I won't it and do throw it. in the garbage. <laughs> um, what are you doing like nutrition wise? So do you, do you get into that? You're still young, so you probably don't really have to mess around with that too much. But are you, do you, you know, watch, do you have plans? Does Derek advise you on things like that or, or what? Um, Derek doesn't advise just because just because he's like, I can't control what a college kid's going to eat. Right. 
Um, cause exactly like you said, we're young, so people are going to eat what they eat. But, um, me personally, I eat pretty healthy. Um, but with like every, every other week, like one day, like say a Sunday, I'll, I'll like have a cheat day and I'll eat kind of unhealthy. Um, but like then for another two weeks, I won't have anything unhealthy or at least I'll try to, um, as long as I can get some kind of protein and then some kind of like, if I can kind of, um, manage my nutrition to where I'm fueling my body correctly, then yeah. it's okay. Usually I mean, you kind of try to give like an 80, 20 rule, like 80 good, 20 bad. Usually I'm more of like a 90, 10. There you go. Right. But you're not like a freak. Like you don't like track macros or, or any, or calories or anything like that. Cause I was, I was a, Oh man, addictive personality. Once again, um, I, I but, was never at that level, man. I, I was the 80, 20, 90, 10. Is this a good decision? Bad decision? You know, yeah. hopefully only make a few bad decisions a week. If, if at all that type of deal. Yeah. I used to, I used to love squat day because we would go and whenever I was in college, I would go and I would, after squat day, I'd, you know, feel just like, you know, so good and so powerful. And I'd be like, you know what, I'm going to subway and I need a foot long to recover this leg and a foot long to recover this leg. (laughs) So I would put down two foot longs, one meatball sub foot long meatball. And then one like bmt or something like that you were obsessed with subway man you used to get that that's like the pe teachers just and now i never eat it i never eat subway anymore yeah i love subway subway is probably my favorite one of my favorite sandwich shops but really try to stay away from it otherwise i'll just go in and get my turkey bacon like every week (laughs) yeah you don't need i mean you're a big guy you need a lot of you know calories for sure I don't think you need a, a foot long for each leg, you know, <laughs> to, to recover each each leg. I bet you could probably put down like a, a massive amount of food though, right? Uh yeah, when I when I absolutely want to. Uh actually Sam Sam Kendricks and I talked about food every once in a while and I like what Sam's mentality is on it because he's like, you have to have a strong stomach if you're gonna be in the field of, you know, professional athletics and having to travel and all that. Um oh, like yeah. I think what was it? 2017 world champs, literally the day before prelims, this man went out and he took us all out to pizza. <laughs> and then he goes Sand in and, it? Yeah. That's awesome. But honestly, I think, I think what it is, is when you go overseas, cause I went overseas one time, I went and jumped in Finland and whenever I was over there, it, Finnish food is, is kind of, similar to American food but if you go to like China or like or like some of these other places that have more exotic food on the menu you kind of from what I've heard you kind of have to stick to what you know and like maybe Sam's on to something there it's like hey like I don't want to mess around with maybe something that I don't really know but I know my stomach can handle pizza even Mm -hmm. though somebody might not think it's the best thing for me in the world I know that I'm going to be able to handle it and I'm probably not going to have any you know food poisoning or repercussions you know for it from it yeah I don't know that's just my theory um oh go ahead back in the day I used to be like super like I need a protein like I need a chicken or a steak or a salmon before a meat day so being a freshman and going into the world championships I was like you're feeding me pizza what (laughs) god is wrong with you and he's like quit being a baby I was like okay fine (laughs) quit being a baby 
That's um, awesome. Have you? But now I'm a little bit more lax, and I'm like, as long as I eat something, I'm fine. This yeah, is sure. this is a totally random question, but are you familiar with Jacob Pauli? Pauli? Yeah, Pauli, Pauli, yep. Pauli. Yeah, what, yeah. Did, what did Cooper even uh, pronounce it as, Jake? Because that's always kind know. of been a mystery. Our, and that's we we have known him for for a while, and we just I just kind of <laughs> guess every every time. He's like I my just, favorite pole vault, <laughs> one of my favorite pole vaulters, and I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Nielsen, Nielsen, you know, Winder, <laughs> Winger, whatever. Um, I was curious. Have you been to his coffee shop? I haven't. Because did you know he has a coffee shop? Maybe you did. I, did I don't not. know. He has, if I, if I remember right, he, he has a coffee shop in Cedar Rapids, I think, or outside of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, and apparently it's really good coffee and I'd hop on their Instagram. You could probably hop through Coover's and then to, to Jacob's and then to their coffee shop. What is, what is the, what's the name of his coffee shop? I might have actually. Let's find out because that. I just know because you talked about all the latte art and stuff, like they're throwing some of that stuff down. Yeah. Let me see here. I'm actually, yeah. So what do you put on the top of that to make the flower? Is that cream or? Oh, is this place called Sidecar? Yes. Yeah, I have been there. Okay. Yes. I didn't know Jacob Polly ran it. I it, Maybe he doesn't. Oh my gosh. I think he does though. I, I, Either way, you're, you're, you're totally wrong. He doesn't even he doesn't even know what <laughs> no, no, no. doesn't even know he, that place. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he absolutely loves the place um and just posts about it. We're gonna find out in Instagram posts to come and you know, you could uh you could thank the uh, one more jump podcast for getting you a few more followers, uh sidecar <laughs> coffee. Yeah, right. But but he they have a band called the Diplomats that um always plays there and yeah we'll find out but i was just curious if you've ever been there i've heard good things about their coffee it's i've like, been to sidecar i don't know if if uh jacob owns that and that's probably awesome. not really probably not we oh. could just say that jacob's been there <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> we could just say that right i'm assuming let's just say that um switching back really quick to um post-collegiate stuff there's a couple logistical things that i was curious about so are you planning on training out of south dakota still yeah for now. okay all right you're planning on and then derek is obviously going to still coach you yes for, uh, okay, that's, the, that's, that's the plan for now yeah that's awesome um and then what big meets like is there are there any meets besides the world championships and uh, olympics that you are like man i really want to jump in that meet um yeah uh world championship olympics yeah of course um anything with diamond league i'd like to do um i went to the diamond league final this last year in zurich that was so much fun i was the track community over there is like one of the strongest things I think I've ever seen. It rivals that of Eugene, Oregon, um, just because they're so into it. And um, you, you put it the you put the Diamond League final, which is such a prestigious event, in one of their biggest and best stadiums. It's like okay, yeah, they care about it. Um, but I guess anything in Diamond League. Um, other than that, I don't really know what other big big meets there are. Um, maybe like the Grand Prix or something like that, but. Um, so any of the diamond leagues, cause it, what, what diamond league, cause you, you competed in the pre-classic, um, yeah. and then 
what other ones did you do? Have you done? Uh, pre-classic, I did Paris, which was not really a – it was a Diamond League meet, but it wasn't scored for points on the men's side. Um, okay. It was more like a women's side thing because, you know, they switch right. uh, genders per meet like every year and they do like every other. Um, and then Zurich, the Diamond League final. Yeah, that's awesome. So do you think that that, that – you, were you talking about the track community in Zurich in particular is very, very strong? Yeah, but I think in Europe in general, it's also just really strong. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, that's something that people in the United States don't really understand is that in Europe, it track and field is is a very, you know, really cool thing, and they they have big stadiums and you know incredible crowds and unbelievable track meets and support over there, which is which is really really cool um, to see. Um, okay, I what wanted- is the Oh, go, go ahead. No, you can go. That's fine. I was going to ask, what is the greatest advice that you have ever been given? I was literally just going to ask that same See? exact brothers, question. brother connection. <laughs> you guys got like telepathy or something. Yes. <laughs> um, in 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 which aspect? In pole vault or life? Anything, anything, man. It could be from your your parents, your grandpa, your the guy across the street, whoever that's that's a tough one i think like one of the first thing that comes to mind um it wasn't really uh like a advice but like one time my grandma you know rest in peace whatever uh she she uh what was it she she was home when i got there because she kind of raised me when my parents were at work um and um, I came home one day and I was super upset and I was crying and she's like, why are you upset? And I was like, I failed a test and I figured you're going to be mad at me and all these other things. I just don't want you to be disappointed in me. And she asked me, she's like, you're still a good person though. Like, does it matter if you really failed a test? If you're still a good person. And I was like, mm. like six year old me had no comprehension or anything or like seven, eight year old me. And I was like, that doesn't matter. I failed a test. And now I'm like, nothing else matters other than being a good person. That's Um, huge. That's, that's I feel like when I think of my pole vaulting, I feel like I fell very, very short of what I wanted to accomplish. And I thought to myself though, the same mentality, like at the end of the day, regardless how high I vaulted, am I being a a cool dude to be around? Am I helping out? Am I somebody that like people want to engage in conversation with? It's like, yeah, I think so. I hope so. That's huge, man. Um, yeah, that is incredible, incredible advice right there. That's, uh, and the other thing too is, you know, making sure you're, you're a good person. And then like Josh had said is, um, you know, good, good people end up affecting other people without even you realizing it. So there's people that you can affect just by you being nice or you doing something, you know, that you think is silly, you know, saying hi to somebody on the sidewalk or whatever. It really does make a huge impact. So just having that focus that your grandma instilled in you to, Hey, throw this other stuff out, man, throw the no height, you know, you know, height. you do something bad, dude, give it up, man. It's all about being a good person. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's some pretty invaluable knowledge right there. Shout out to Chris Nelson's grandma, man. That's (laughs) With, um, I guess we've been going 
about an hour 15 ish. And we typically like to keep it somewhat within the hour 15, hour and a half mark. And I'm curious, like if you had, you know, you have such a unique kind of upbringing in this sport. And I'm still kind of amazed circling back to like, you've been six, seven ish years into this and you went from zero feet in the pole vault to, you know, 595, one of the best vaulters ever to do it. Um, like what, what do you want the listeners to, to get out of this? If you had to give a few sentences as to like, um, you know, is it battling through adversity? Is it, um, making sure you are being mechanical instead of emotional, like kind of give us your closing summary as to like what, what you want the listeners to walk away with if you could. Oh man. Um, it's, it's so hard to be like, this is what you should do like mechanically in a meter. This is what you should, you know, focus on like mentally versus physically. But I think one of the most important things to me is if you can go to a meet and you can be comfortable not only with yourself, but with your competitors. I don't like, I, I think I've competed with Luke a couple of times, but every single time I've, we've competed together, I've come up and I've said, hello, I've tried to make friends with him and make friends with everybody in the competition. And I think that there's no room in not only pole vault, but track and field for bad blood or like rivals. If it's a friendly rivalry, then, you know, it's totally fine. But um, <clears throat> like anything negative, I think that track and field is already so low on the popularity spectrum of the world. Cause we've got football, basketball, soccer, and all these other things that are so worldwide recognize the track and field might also be recognized worldwide, but it's not nearly as big or as popular as these other events. But so one of these things that we can kind of try to build popularity in is that all of us are in this together and we're all like, we're all friendly to each other. The pole community right now is probably one of the nicest communities I think I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, and that includes communities of pole communities like back in the past. Like I'm sure they were close, but I don't think like they were going out to dinner together. Like, like we were, back in 2017 with the world champs or um, at Reno, we all went down and had a drink after, after the competition this year, like all of the guys and all the, all the girls, we all went down and just hung out. I don't really know how popular that was, you know, a decade ago, but now I think it's, it's, it's more popular. So I guess just being nice to all your competitors and trying to make friends, you know, cause if you exactly like you just said, um, this might be the first time we've spoken over text, but now you've invited me over to your spot to come and call from Chicago. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And now I have a chance to make a new friend and uh, be a part of a new group. And mm -hmm. I'm super excited about that. I, I love that. Um, right. So I think just being nice and inviting people to become a part of your group or become friends with you, I think that's probably more important than any other height you could probably put up. I think if you're making friends and you're networking and you're building connections, then you will be successful because people want to be around you and people want to help you. Heck yeah. It's incredible, man. We're I, all uh, in it together, especially through this interesting time, man. I think that that sums it up perfectly. There's no place for negativity ever, but especially in a time that's already obviously got a, a negative connotation around it, man. Um, very well spoken. Hey, this is, this is just some advice from an older person. Um, you, you seem like a, a really awesome guy. Thank you. Um, going into this post-collegiate thing, don't compromise that. Be, be what you are right now. And that, that was something that I, what I did whenever I left college was I tried to 
be something that I wasn't and tried to impress people because I wanted to do this or get into this meet or do that. And that's one of the biggest regrets that I have is kind of compromising a little bit of who I was as a person, you know, to, you know, try to be, you know, that I am so excited to see you go out and just Mm. absolutely annihilate it after college, man. I'm so pumped about it. And I just wish you the best of luck and you're an awesome dude. And, um, Josh or Chris, you got anything else you want to say, Josh? I appreciate that a ton. That means the world to me. That really does. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, and seriously, reach out too because I will. Uh, I will be here, and if I have to chain myself to the door and get arrested and thrown in jail, I will do it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I might have to reinforce the back of the box though, because uh, I'm nervous now. <laughs> yeah. So now I think I'm gonna go and like reinforce the back of the box and make sure that if somebody <laughs> like Chris Nielsen runs down and hits the back of it that everything's going to be okay. But we're, we're, we're going to get it set up, man. All hey, right. well, th- thank you so much. And uh, this is a One More Jump podcast signing off.